You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you are joining us. One of the most recognizable voices in Detroit's protest against police brutality and structural racism is also a relatively new voice in the city's activist community. Tristan Taylor is one of the leaders of the protests, which have been largely peaceful over the last few weeks. Taylor has been on quite a journey during these protests. He was arrested last week under an accusation of inciting a riot. And then this week, he met with Mayor Duggan, Police Chief James Craig, and others in the mayor's office to discuss protester demands. But his dissent in the movement has not been without controversy. Some organizers have accused him of co-opting leadership of these protests. Tristan Taylor joins us now to talk about what we're seeing here in Detroit and the national movement that seems to be taking place. Tristan Taylor, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, let's first talk about what you have seen so far in terms of these protests and what you think has been achieved. Well, um, what I have seen in these protests um, is um, determination for justice, um, the likes of which we haven't seen in a very long time, um, which speaks to the fact that protests have gone on consistently in Detroit for 13 days and with no end in sight. In fact, there are still going to be people protesting today at 4 o'clock. And we see this all across the country. And I think the fact that Chauvin... Um, went from uh, third degree to second degree charges. Um, the rest of the officers uh, the, involved in the situation were arrested. Um, the fact that we're talking about defunding the police on a national uh, um, discourse, uh, I think uh, shows uh, how powerful this movement is um, and how much change uh, it can uh, affect. Hmm. So, so you're somebody who is involved in a lot of things around the city. I know you're active with the Charlevoix Village Association, which is a neighborhood organization uh, on the city's east side, and with Detroit Renter City, which is a housing activist group uh, advocating for renters in the city. But, but talk to me about what drew you to these protests and what drew you to the role of leadership uh, in, in these protests. W- what is it about this moment? What is it about what's going on that has you in a different space than you normally would be here in Detroit? Well, I mean, different. Um, that's an interesting uh, thing. I, I, I do want to note uh, that uh, I've been politically active since I was 17 and actually have done um organizing around police brutality, uh, in particular, like on the east side uh, several years ago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pre, like right around like the time of Occupy. Um, and so like for me as like a Detroiter, a working class black Detroiter, like the issues that we face are the issues that I, you know, organize around. Um, and I was a leader by default uh, because people wanted to fight um, and uh, it was clear that we were all trying to figure out like how to do it to the best of our ability. Um, and I just contributed to you know 
that movement in a particular way that I could. So, mm-hmm. but um, but but let's be honest. I mean, you you've stepped out in front in a way here that I think a lot of people uh, who who are watching haven't haven't seen before. I mean, you're you're somewhat of a new face to a lot of a lot of folks in terms of being in in that leadership role. What what was it about again this moment and these protests? Uh, that inspired you to take more of uh, a front seat in, in, in all of this? Um, well, you know, I think for me, um, I understand the difficulties of just living day to day, right? Mm-hmm. And I really uh, treat as precious and sacred people's time and energy because I know that is a finite thing. And um, I just wanted to make sure that people who are seriously fighting for justice actually get the justice that they were fighting for um, and that our collective efforts uh, would actually matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that is my motivation, um, you know, as a person who has not great encounters with police, who uh, parents um, and brothers and sisters have had not great encounters with the police. Um, and I think um, as a nation um, and black and brown people all across this country, uh, the, the death of George Floyd was the last straw. I mean, it was like, you know, God, even in the midst of a global pandemic, our bodies aren't safe from police brutality. Um, and so, you know, mm-hmm. we were fed up with it and we want to make sure justice is done this time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of encounters with police, uh, you were arrested last week and were anticipating charges of inciting a riot, but you were released without any charges being filed, which is, which is good news. But, but talk about, uh, the experience of being arrested, uh, for protesting for your rights, uh, as an American. Yeah, I think this, uh, speaks to, you know, the demand around, uh, defunding and demilitarizing the police um, and, you know, to rethink what we um, call the need for kind of law and order, right? Because what my arrests on Tuesday and the other protesters uh, expressed um, was that police departments aren't, um, don't have the goal of resolving conflict. They just have the goal of responding uh, with brute force. And, that just can't be the way that we deal with people who have uh, opinions that we may not like. Um, uh, th- that's how bullies act. Um, that's how tyrants act. Um, and police forces all across this country, uh, especially in particular in black and brown communities, act like tyrants as opposed to people who are seeking to resolve conflict. Um, and so my arrest was just an expression of like why <clears throat> we have to completely restructure uh, what it means uh, to have like law and order, quote unquote, um, and why we have to reprioritize uh, resources and funding um, from a police force that does damage and that is trained to do damage and force uh, into uh, areas and resources that actually provide safety and security. Uh, for black and brown uh, and working class people across the country. 
Uh, I'm talking with Tristan Taylor, a community organizer and activist who has helped lead the Detroit protests against police brutality and systemic racism. Uh, we are talking about what has gone on here in the city of Detroit over the last two weeks, the powerful and massive demonstrations that we've seen, not just in the city of Detroit, in fact, but now spreading to communities around the metro area. We're talking about what might come of those protests, what the future might look like as we discuss police brutality and systemic racism and what some of the solutions to those issues might be. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us if if you have been involved in any way in the protests over the last couple of weeks. Uh, What's your reaction to those protests and how they've been organized? Uh, What do you make of the police reaction to those protests, especially the militarized response that we've seen here in Detroit and in other cities that has in many cases escalated these situations and targeted protesters uh, and journalists. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Also, we are talking in an extended form, of course, about the idea of reform for police departments. What do you make of this defund or dismantle the police movement that seems to be coalescing right now? Uh, What are your ideas about how we might reimagine policing and community safety in a way that does not bring uh, an occupying force into conflict with the people that they are supposed to be keeping safe. Uh, How would you restructure policing in America and especially here in Detroit? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Before we go to listeners, Tristan, uh, I want to ask you what you learned when you went to speak with uh, Mayor Mike Duggan and Deputy Mayor Conrad Mallett and Police Chief James Craig Uh, With your list of protester demands, uh, did you get the sense that there is an opportunity for a real conversation about some of the things that you're talking about, restructuring the police department, uh, for instance? What I got the sense of is what has um, been um, my experience engaging with the city over the last couple of years around housing um, and that is that there's a, a real barrier um, between where city officials are at and where they what they think goes on in the city and what the reality is for like residents of the city. Um, and so uh, I'm hopeful that the movement uh, will be able to force a serious uh, engagement with these questions. Um, and what I understand is the challenges, that we're going to have to face in particular uh, with city officials um, who um, just have this real big disconnect uh, between uh, what the reality of uh, Detroiters are um, and you know regular folks um, and, and what they think um, is going on, what they think their policies actually mean. Mm. Uh, a lot of times when we see demonstrations like this, There's a lot of noise and then very little action on the backside. And I think people are maybe beginning to worry that that, uh, the the last 13 days here in Detroit, the last 14 or 15 days around the country uh, may not lead 
to substantive change. What do you think needs to happen to make sure that this actually makes some things different, that this actually Mm -hmm. starts meaningful conversations about change? No, well, actually, I think there are a couple of things in Detroit specifically that, um, one, we have achieved um, and that uh, creates the situation for us to be able to achieve more. Hmm. I do like to point out the fact that the arbitrary curfew was something that the protesters were able to make known and void. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like to point out the fact that the intimidation tactics against me personally um, in charging me with an, or attempting to charge me with inciting riot and jailing me and arresting me and the others didn't work. Um, and how the people themselves, you know, force the government to, to let me out. Um, and I also want to point out a couple of things that, for example, the budget, um, the city's budget is up for amendments and discussion, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and this And it's going to be soon. So we actually have a very concrete opportunity uh, to like push for defunding the police. And in terms of facial recognition and the surveillance program, the contract um, for the facial recognition, um, the, the contractor, that's going to be up in July. And so we actually have concrete opportunities to make some of the demands that we've been asking like real. But it's going to mean that this movement has to continue to uh, maintain this mobilization um, and and get you know kind of better organized um, uh, and and that's why you know I along with other people created Detroit will breathe as a way to make sure that we get to transfer all of this energy that's been built in the streets and maintain it. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Let's start with David in Rochester, David. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm great. I was telling the other person, I'm a middle-aged, white, evangelical, Trump-loving suburbiate here in Detroit. (laughs) And uh, personally, I couldn't be more behind these protests. And I think it's far past time for something to be done. to bring us all together. Hmm. So, so David, I'm I'm curious. Uh, you've absolutely piqued my curiosity here. How do you reconcile, uh, for instance, your support for the president, uh, who is not a fan of these protests and and yeah. seems not very uh, open to the idea that uh, that we need any change with re- with regard to policing or other issues, uh, with with your sympathy. Uh, for the, the the cause here, what what is it about this issue uh, that that has your attention, but also uh, allows you to maintain uh, this disposition uh, of of favor toward uh, Donald Trump? Well, I can understand how that is a difficult thing to understand. <laughs> uh, but I I have called here before. I talked to you. I was a chef in New York City, and Donald Trump uh, at one of his hotels. Okay, and had okay. Many, many occasions to to speak with him and know him and and. Uh, I, he is a strange and uh, multifaceted character, but uh, the vilification of him by the media is, uh, and I know it's something that rings hollow with uh, with most people, so I don't even know why I go down that road. But I am also, besides being, uh, and I'm a precinct delegate for the Republican Party, so Saturday at our convention, I'll be helping to choose uh, the uh, the candidates. So, But I am a foster and adoptive parent for the last six years. And uh, I have a five-year-old African-American son mm. I got when he was three weeks old. And I've gotten to know a dozen uh, families 
of people from Detroit, and I I love them unequivocally. And I would do anything, any sacrifice necessary, my up to and including my life to to make their lives better. Hmm. So I understand how it's. Uh, you would think that people on one side can't understand the other side, but my my problem is I've called uh, dozens of um, friends who are more liberal and are on the other side of this issue just to see if there's something I can talk to them about. Maybe they can understand me and I can understand them, and they, they won't answer my calls. Mm. I, I send them messages, call me, I'd love to talk to you. I don't get calls back. So mm. there needs to be some conversation between individuals, not just between uh, mm. uh, you know, Stephen Henderson and Dave in Rochester. Yeah. That's David, what I think. David, I really appreciate the call. And, and l- let me say, I think the nuance that uh, that you express in the way that you're thinking about these things is not just important, but 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 quite typical. And and I think that for lots of people, things are much more complicated uh, than, than sometimes we try to render them when we're talking about these kinds of things. And so I really appreciate your calling and sharing the way in which you've come to the opinions that you hold about lots of different things. So I really, I really love that, uh, that you listen and that uh, you're, you're part of the conversation here. Thanks very much for calling. Um, let's go to Anthony in Lincoln Park. Anthony, welcome Hi. to the show. Hey, how are you doing today? Hey. Um, I, I just wanted to call in and say I have uh, been actually attending quite a few of the protests down there for a majority of the days. I think yesterday might have been the only day I didn't show up uh, since it started uh, two Fridays ago down there. But I, you know, I, I support the idea of defunding the police in that, what, the city of Detroit spending about a third of its budget on that? Like, no, I don't, I don't think it's right. Mm. So I support, like, the... Uh, kind of like the governor said, the spirit of it. Do I have all the answers as to what's going to replace it? No. And then I want to talk about the demands that the protest came up with. It was a really, it still is, it's an ambitious list, and I just personally don't think the mayor and the administration are ready to be the place where we're making big changes in this country. I don't think the mayor's ready to do that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Anthony, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Uh, Tristan Taylor, talk about how realistic it is for the mayor and the city council and the police chief to really take this seriously. So a couple of things. One, um, you know, King uh, defined power as uh, making someone say yes when they want to say no. Mm -hmm. And so I think the question that we have to figure out or or understand rather um, is that um, it's not a question of whether or not they're personally willing. Uh, the question is whether or not we are creating a movement that necessitates the political will for change. Um, and I think the fact that they had a meeting to consider the demands, right, um, something that um, is a reflection of our ability as a movement to force these questions forward. Um, and so, again, I, I just want to make it clear that our ability to make change isn't because Duggan wants to make the changes. No, um, is because we want to make the changes and we're not giving him uh, any other option, him or any city official in the city of Detroit for that matter. Hmm. Uh, that's, a really, that's a really important point, uh, Tristan. I'm glad you made that. Uh, let's go to Ed in Detroit. Ed, welcome yes, to Detroit this today. Is a timely conversation. But I'm curious um, what your guest means when he says on the police. Hmm. Uh, the police department, as it's currently constituted, performs a variety of functions. 
some, I suspect most people say, belong to a police department. Some people might quarrel about. What does that mean? And who would perform law enforcement functions? Um, how, you know, flesh out the, the term defund the police. Huh. Uh, great. Great question, Ed. And I think there are a lot of people who are seeing this phrase uh, on social media or on television and thinking that it means things that maybe it doesn't, uh, but also wondering what it actually means. Tristan, uh, talk more about this idea of defunding or dismantling the police department. What do you mean when you say that? Well, see, I actually think that's a question that the community itself needs to decide. But what is important to recognize is that we live in a society that is based on inequality um, that allows for trillionaires we're about to have a trillionaire in existence while absolute poverty um, rules the globe and um, such a society that allows um, such inequality uh, will inevitably build institutions that enforce it and so the police are one of those institutions. And what we are talking about in terms of defunding is starting to change that structural reality. Um, and I think the question of what the alternative is, is a question that has to be decided by the people themselves. Hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I, th I think that's a, that's a really great way to, to, to be thinking about it. Um, I, I do think, though, that there is among some people, uh, a reticence to, to contemplate something like that, right? When you say defund the police, what I think a lot of people hear is getting rid of, uh, of government public safety agencies. Yeah, uh, but if, and if they kept us safe, sure. But again, for especially for black and brown bodies. Right, that's the, not the case. The police is the last thing that keeps you safe. It is the thing that puts you in danger and harm's way. And so what we're saying is, first off, let's start with the fact that DPD has military grade mm -hmm. that you know, armies like who are in the Middle East uh, have. Um, why is that? Mm -hmm. Like if your job is to protect and serve, who are you protecting and serving with tanks on the streets, facial recognition technology, like, you know, all these like guns, like why isn't there more emphasis on de-escalation? Why is there an emphasis on intimidation and having all this weaponry and armory, right? right. Um, that is the thing that has to be considered. Um, and that's why when we say defund, um, we are saying that we want to create something where safety is a real thing. And we know safety means secure housing. Right. Safety right. means having access to water, right? Like safety means like not having to guess as to what tomorrow will look like and where you will be. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, I think it's, it's fair to say this is a reimagining of what we know now as public safety. Uh, we think of public safety as the police department. I think mm. what this movement is suggesting and calling for is a rethink of that and say uh, this police department that we have does not uh, secure people's rights the way it does, the way it should, and it does not keep us safe the way we want to be safe. So what if we thought of it in really different terms? What if we came up with something completely different? Uh, to to assure those two things, um, and and I think 
defund suggests something different to a lot of people, but I would encourage everybody uh, before you pass judgment to really find out what, what, what it means and, and what's going on. Uh, again, Ed, I really appreciate uh, the call. Uh, Tristan Taylor, it was really great to have you here and to, to talk with you. We will have you back uh, sometime soon to talk about where we go from here. Okay, thank you. All right, Appreciate thanks it. very much. All right, uh, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about competitive and performative solidarity from white activists and why it's maybe a little problematic in this moment. Stay with us on Detroit Today and stay with us on the phone. Jameson and Lake Orion, Brother Ray in Midtown, Gene in Detroit. We will also hear from you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.